0: We're doing a three-week series in the book of Proverbs, and I wanted to give you a little framework for understanding what Proverbs is all about. And you saw a couple things. One is that wisdom has this personality, almost, in the book of Proverbs. It's a woman. It's lady wisdom. But then the second thing that's really important is that wisdom starts with the fear and respect and honoring of the Lord. And you cannot be wise unless you start with that foundation. So with that in mind, and as we're even thinking about those couple points, I'm gonna read our scripture for today, and then we'll continue our series, People Skills, Social Wisdom from Proverbs for 10th Times. Proverbs 1 starts out, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for learning wisdom and discipline, for understanding insightful sayings, for receiving prudent instruction in righteousness, justice, and integrity, for teaching shrewdness to the inexperienced, knowledge and discretion to a young man. Let a wise person listen and increase learning, and let a discerning person obtain guidance for understanding a proverb or a parable, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and discipline. Wisdom calls out in the street. Here she is personified. Wisdom calls out in the street. She makes her voice heard in the public square. She cries out above the commotion. She speaks at the entrance of the city gates. How long, inexperienced ones, will you love ignorance? How long will you mockers enjoy mocking and you fools hate knowledge? The word of the Lord. Wisdom calls out to us to listen to her. To start being wise by starting our wisdom with the fear of the Lord. Uh, But everything else calls out to us as well. In fact, today as we talk about wisdom with words, one of the things we notice in our culture is that there is just an abundance of words. There are messages everywhere. And you and I are invited to just use our words as we will. In fact, when we wake up in the morning, if, uh, I know you don't, but if you did look at Facebook as the first thing when you roll out of bed, this is what you'd see. (laughs) What's on your mind, John? What do you want to say? How do you want to use your words? What message do you have for the world? See, we're inundated with messages and words, but we're also invited from the very moment we get up. What do you want to say? What do you have to tell the world? And I think all these voices and all these invitations to use our voice can sometimes be confusing, Uh, can sometimes be confusing because wisdom tells us to watch our words and to watch the words that we listen to. Rather than just saying whatever on our mind and, and listening without discernment to all the messages throughout the day, wisdom tells us to watch our words. Wisdom tells us that first of all, words are powerful. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You and I often don't think of our tongues that way or other people's mouths that way, but death and life are in the power of the tongue. Wisdom's telling us that words are powerful. What would you do if you were carrying around a weapon all day? You would be aware of it. You would take notice of it. You would think about how you were using it. If you've ever seen the movie, The Lord of the Rings, Frodo Baggins gets the ring of power. And from that moment that he has the ring, everything changes. He becomes incredibly aware of it and how he uses it and where he keeps it and what he does with it. Our words are powerful. And wisdom is telling us, recognize that your words are powerful. Don't just spew them out. Don't just take them in. Recognize that there is power in words. Because words can move people. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Notice that doesn't even say words. It says a harsh word. One word can move people towards anger. See, words are powerful. They can move people. And they can wound people. There is one who speaks rashly, like a piercing sword. The ESV study Bible talks about all these patterns of speech, accusations, belittling, manipulating, mocking, insulting, and condemning. All those patterns of speech are like weapons that can wound people. Words can change the energy in the room. Someone who comes in wielding weapons with their words can change a room and can wound people. But words can also heal people. The tongue of the wise brings healing. In the 2015-2016 NFL playoffs, Blair Walsh, who was a kicker for the Minnesota Vikings, had an opportunity to win a playoff game. He was a pretty good kicker from within 30-yard line. And he had a 27-yard field goal to kick uh, down by one point with 22 seconds left. In other words, he had a decently easy kick at the end of the game to win the game for his team and send them into the next round of the playoffs. And as his team, the Minnesota Vikings, lined up against the Seattle Seahawks, they snapped the ball, he kicked the ball wide. He missed an easy field goal. His team lost at the end of the game out of the playoffs. And the onslaught that came against Blair Walsh on social media just tanked him. It was awful. The amount of messages that were were saying, get rid of this guy. He's awful. He missed this one field goal, and it ruined the season for the team. But a group of first graders in Blair Walsh's town in Minnesota got wind of what was happening, and they decided, you know what? We're going to write letters to encourage this heartbroken place kicker. And they did. They all wrote letters to Blair Walsh, and they gave it to him. And he was so touched by it. He was going to leave town, but he changed his flight just to go and visit those first-graders who had healed them with their words. In fact, one little boy, Tyler Dolphin, said this, Dear Blair, I fell bad for you. Don't give up. You're still number one. Practice more so that you can get better at kicking. That's kicking. You're so good at kicking, so don't give up. Keep trying, we still love you. You're still number one to us. You might win next time. Words can heal even if you cannot spell them right. And this group of first graders use their words powerfully to uplift this heartbroken place kicker. Words can move people, they can wound people, they can heal people, and they can also spread. A worthless person digs up evil And a speech is like a scorching fire. My kids and I were talking about wildfires the other day and how quickly they can spread with destruction. Our words are the same way. It's like a scorching fire. A contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Our words are so powerful that once they come out of their mouth, we can't grab them back in and whatever we sent them out with, oftentimes they will spread destruction. When you spin words about someone, it spreads. When you blab, it can burn people. And when you share that word that you heard about someone, it can destroy them. Words do damage and they can spread, but they, they can also spread healing. Proverbs 16:24 says that pleasant words are like a honeycomb. It's like honey, sweet to the taste and health to the body. Words can spread and they're powerful. And wisdom calls to us, understand that your words have power. But also understand that you need to own your words. In this day and age of Facebook and Twitter, that's the opposite of our culture. Just say what you want to say. It doesn't matter. But Lady Wisdom's telling us, own your words. Take notice of what you're saying. Take responsibility for what comes out of your mouth own your words. You can imagine if every day there was a word cloud that was being built as you spoke words. What would it say? Would you want to look at it at the end of the day? Both the actual words that you use and the categories that you spoke in. Would it say gossip, negativity, or encouragement, and thanksgiving? That's actually a good idea. I'd love to see that for myself because Proverbs is saying that the wise person owns their words. The wise person Owns their words. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 12 makes us own our words. He says, on judgment day, we will give account for every careless word. That's scary. (laughs) Own our words. The wise person takes notice of what they're saying and sifts their words. Not only owns them, but chooses them accordingly. Chooses their words according to wisdom. When there are many words, sin is unavoidable, but the one who controls his lips is prudent. Wisdom tells us to actually sift through our words and choose them. According to what? Well, according to honesty, is it true? Is what we're saying true? Proverbs 16:13 says, righteous lips or honest lips are a king's delight And he loves one who speaks honestly. As you sift through your words and as you choose them, is what you're saying actually correspond to what's true? Or is it false? But then also, are you not saying something that is true? Is something bad happening? Is evil happening that you're withholding saying the truth about? Proverbs says that wisdom calls us to speak and to speak honestly and not falsely. Sift our words according to honesty, but also to sift and choose them according to effectiveness, according to timeliness. Proverbs 25 says, a word spoken at the right time is like gold apples in a silver setting. You can say the right thing at the wrong time. An example of that is unwarranted, unsolicited advice. I have a a good friend and we tease him about this. He's really good at unwarranted, unsolicited advice. And he starts a lot of our conversations with, you know what you should do? And we go, no, but you're going to tell us, right? (laughs) Maybe he has the right thing to say, but oftentimes it's not the the right time. Elizabeth Bernstein um, wrote an article in the Wall Street Journal about a study that was done on married couples. Over a hundred couples over seven years. And they found that there was much lower marital satisfaction in the relationship based on unsolicited advice. When advice was given without it being asked for, the satisfaction in the marital relationship dropped. And they said a simple fix for this was just saying, hey, I have a thought. Would you like some advice? Or I don't know if this will work for you, but when I went through this situation, here's what happened with me. And that changed because then it did become unwarranted, unsolicited advice. See, we're called to sift our words according to whether they're timely. Are they tactful? And, and that's hard in our culture because we're called to just say it, man. You got something to say, get it out. But wisdom says to sift our words according to effectiveness. I read a story about a group of pastors in Minnesota or Michigan, one of those northern states, and. They about forty pastors got together, and something was happening uh, among them, and it was just really tense in the room. And they began to bicker, and they began to fight, and they began. Oh, pastors, yes, we can do that. We sometimes don't get along, um, but the the room or the, the mood in the room was really tense. Until one pastor who was well respected slowly stood up, and scanned the room and the tone began to change a little bit and people's voices began to drop and everyone turned and looked at them and looked at him and he simply said this, oh my dear children, and then he paused. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other. 14 words and then he sat down and the mood in the room completely shifted. It went from tension to love. It went from hostility to peace because this brother had set up and said 14 timely words. See, it's not necessarily about boldness or power, although sometimes it is. It's about timeliness. Is what's coming out of your mouth the right time? Is it effective? Wisdom tells us to sift our words based on if they're effective. Proverbs 25, 15 says, a ruler can be persuaded through patience, and a gentle tongue can break a bone. A gentle tongue can break a bone. The right word at the right time has incredible persuasion. One of my friends who uh, is from down in Kendall, he's a comedian, and he's really funny, he's really good. He he got so good at being a comedian that he moved away from Florida and went to LA, and he'd kind of made it. And one of the first or second times I went to go hear him, he was like the headliner. And so he had all these comedians in front of him.
1: And I realized
0: I was at a comedy club, so I didn't have high expectations. But the first five or six comedians, they were really just raunchy. And that's okay, I was at a comedy club, I wasn't there to judge or give my opinion. But then my friend got up and he wasn't raunchy and he was incredibly much more funnier. And so I went up to him and I said, what gives, I'm I'm not judging those guys, I'm just curious. You didn't say one off color dirty thing and yet you were a ton funnier than everyone else. And he was really humbly just said, look, when you're first starting out as a comedian, it's easier to kind of go towards the raunchy, off-color stuff, because you know you'll get a laugh. It's more work to choose the words that are effective and timely. It's harder. But yet he broke, well, funny bones, not bones, but funny bones when he chose those timely Words. And that's a lesson that stuck with me because words don't have to be bold or powerful or raunchy or loud to be effective. But the right words can get the job done. Wisdom tells us to sift through our words according to effectiveness, but also to sift through them according to our emotions. Because the reason you and I often say things that we shouldn't say is because there's stuff going on inside anger jealousy, frustration. And what wisdom tells us is to understand that that is going on inside you and sift through that even as you sift through your words. Proverbs fifteen twenty eight says, the mind of the righteous person thinks before answering, but the mouth of the wicked blurts out evil. When do you blurt out things? It's when stuff's going on inside you. And wisdom tells us to take a breath and sort through all those words that are coming through your mind before you fire something back. I've heard a lot more of people sending an email to themselves that they meant to send to somebody else, right? You're mad at somebody and you just write that email, but instead of sending it to them, you send it to yourself, and then you write the real email. And from people that have done that, I've heard, man, it's significantly different because they're able to sift through their own emotions and say what is timely and effective and not just blurt something out that damages. We're called to sift through our emotions. But in love, we're also called to sift according to the thoughts of others. The one who gives an answer before he listens, this is foolishness and disgrace for him. You ever meet somebody, or maybe it's you, you ever meet someone or or realize that you're closed-minded but open-mouthed? No one else has anything that they can teach you, but you have a lot to teach other people. Proverbs says, well, wait a minute. You need to listen to what other people have to say. You need to hear what other people have to say. You need to take it in and understand. As Proverbs 18, 2 says, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only wants to show off his opinions. We're really called to hear each other and to sift through what other people are saying, even as we choose our own words. Our words are really powerful and we're called to own them and sift through them because they move people and our words can alter situations. Words are powerful and can affect change. But, but how do you get the power to change your words? Let's be honest, we all have ways that we can grow in wisdom in how we use our words. Every one of us has a flaw in wisdom when we choose our words. And it's just quite easier to not have to worry about that. It's just easier to choose our words how we want to say them, rather than sifting, choosing, and owning. But where do we get the power to actually sift through our words? Our words are powerful and can affect change, but where do we get the power to change our words. What Ephesians 4 and 5 tell us, they said that that power to change our words comes from forgiveness and love. You can't really be wise with your words unless you tap into forgiveness and love. Ephesians 4 and 5 says to put away false words and speak truth. And if you're angry, don't sin with your words. Don't let corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Don't speak things that are going to tear people down, but instead choose your words wisely so that they'll build other people up. Deal with heart attitudes that lead to word sins. And then it says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Therefore, be imitators of God and walk in love. Forgiveness and love. Forgiveness and tenderheartedness is what actually changes our words. When we walk in forgiveness and love, we find a new power to speak words for the other person rather than just what we want to say. We find ways to speak words that are sacrificial rather than just self-serving. And that power for forgiveness and love doesn't come from us, though. It comes from Christ and what he has done for us. Let me fill in the blanks for you. It says, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. Therefore, be imitators of God as dearly loved children and walk in love, as Christ also loved us and gave himself for us. A sacrificial and fragrant offering to God. Forgiving one another as God forgave you, walking in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. See, Jesus loved us and sacrificed sacrificed himself for us, even when you and I believed the lie. Man was created in this wonderful relationship of trust with God in the Garden of Eden, and Adam and Eve walked in trust with God, they communicated with God, and God gave them one word of command, do not eat the tree. And yet they bought into the lie of the enemy. Satan tricked them and and they ate the apple. And things came tumbling apart. But just like Adam and Eve, we also believe a lie as well. We don't trust God. We listen to the lies of the evil one. We plan our own lives without thinking about what God has commanded us to do. And just like Adam and Eve were judged and separated from God in the garden, we now live in separation from God because we have believed the lie. And God is righteous and just. That's why we're separated from him. And if we die in that separation, we spend eternity apart from him. Now, some of you are smooth talkers, but this is not something that you can talk your way out of with God. God is righteous. And he is just, he is a perfect judge, and he will deliver judgment. But, just as powerful as God's word of judgment is his word of love. Is his word of love. See, Jesus loved us even when we listened to a lie giving his life sacrificially for us. God the Father sent Jesus the Son, sinless, always trusting God, never believing a lie, always saying what is wise and righteous. But Jesus came to this earth and lived a perfect life but was put on the cross for you and me. He was punished in our place. He was buried in the tomb, separated from God so that you and I could be restored to God when we place our faith in him. He didn't stay in the tomb. On the third day, he rose again from the grave, in order to bring us new life. And because Jesus sacrificed himself for us, we are forgiven. Because Jesus loved us, we have new love in our hearts. And we must listen and receive that love from Christ if we're going to be people who use our words to love and forgive others. We must listen and take up the message of Jesus. We must believe it and follow it. Hear it and take it into our hearts. See, that's one of the other things that lady wisdom teaches us from Proverbs. It's not just the words that come out of our mouth. It's how we choose to receive messages, how we choose to receive words, not only from God, but from others. In the book of Proverbs, there's these characters and there's these characters. And one is the wise, another is the fool. Another is the mocker and the scoffer. And the wise person over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs, it says that they hear things from other wise people and they listen. But they don't just listen, they receive it. But they don't just receive it, they guard it. They hear wisdom from other people. They take it into their life and they treasure it and guard it. And as they take in that wisdom, they themselves become wise. The wise listens and receives and guards wisdom, whereas the fool doesn't listen to wisdom. Proverbs 1.7, we read earlier, said that they despise instruction. The fool despises anyone who corrects them. Why? Well, they think no one gets it but them. You ever met someone who only thinks that they get it? Or have you been there and only think that you get it? Proverbs tells us: Then you'll shut down any corrective messages of wisdom, and you'll be a fool. I had a friend uh, when I was playing baseball as a little kid. I think it was in third grade, and this kid's name was Frankie, and he was the best kid on our team. He was by far the most skilled, but he was unmanageable. Uh, he would hit the ball, and he'd run to first base, and the coach would tell him at first base, "Frankie, stay," and he would he would. And then he would just go. He would just go and he'd go to second. And like half the time he would get out. But he would not listen to the message of the coach. It would get to the point by the end of the season where everyone was so frustrated with him that when the coach would say, stay on first or stay on second, don't go, the whole team would stand up on the bench and say, Frankie, stay, don't go. You're going to ruin it for the rest of us. And Frankie did not listen. That kid would take off. And he was really skilled, so occasionally he would make it but he's also foolish. So most of the time he would get out. Frankie was foolish when it came to running bases and you and I can be foolish when we do not listen and when we do not receive that instruction, when we do not take it in and guard it. We don't do that because of pride. A fool's way is right in his own eyes, but whoever listens to counsel is wise. Proverbs also tells us that people who are foolish actually don't even like being around people who are wise. They avoid people who are wise because they know that just by being around them, their wisdom will just naturally sort of correct them, but they hate correction so much that they don't wanna be around wise people. That is pride. And that is the mark of the fool. But in Proverbs, there's also another person. There's the wise, there's the fool, but there's also the simple. The simple is just the person who's inexperienced. They're kind of new at life. They're fresh fresh at it. And and they have a path before them. They can either kind of go this way or that way. And the danger for the simple is that they're gonna hear the wrong message and follow that. Proverbs 14, 15 said, "The the inexperienced one believes anything. They're easily persuaded. They're at risk for being led astray. And it makes us ask the question, What messages are we listening to? Are we listening to God's wisdom? Or are we listening to the wisdom of the world? Are we listening to voices that are godly and wise? Or or other voices that would lead us astray towards foolishness? Because the simple and the inexperienced is at risk for being led astray. But the wise, the wise listens, receives, and guards wisdom. One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself, but whoever listens to correction acquires good sense. The fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches and humility comes before honor. Do you want your plans in life to succeed? Then bring other people in to give you wisdom. Do you want to grow in wisdom? then be willing to receive rebukes from other wise people. Do you wanna love yourself? Do you wanna care about yourself? Then listen to discipline. Hear instruction from other people that would correct you even if they would rebuke you because receiving rebukes from wise people is in and of itself wise. If you wanna grow wise, then listen to wisdom. And wisdom says that wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. And if you want to fear the Lord, listen and receive Jesus. Wisdom starts at the cross. Wisdom starts with submission to Jesus. Here's why. I just told you a bunch of stuff about wisdom. You're going to mess it up. You're going to try and apply it in your life and you're not going to get it right. (laughs) You're going to be the fool sometimes. You're going to be the simple person sometimes. And in each of those situations, you're always going to be the sinner. But when you look to Jesus, the one who feared the Lord and always was wise and never disobeyed, you start with wisdom. He was full of wisdom and wise sayings, but he wasn't just about wise sayings. He was wisdom in the flesh. He was the very word of God incarnate. And see, that's the thing with wisdom. It is wisdom words. It is proverbial sayings, but it's more than that. It was, it, wisdom is following the one who was the very wisdom of God. It's not just a body of information. It is a person to know and follow. Wisdom tells us to listen to and receive Jesus, who is the wisdom of God. Colossians 2, Paul writes, In Christ Jesus are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians, Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God to us. Our righteousness, our sanctification, and our redemption. In Jesus, you are declared righteous. And in Jesus, you are made more wise. And you are made righteous. And you are redeemed from your sin. See, to know Jesus is to begin to fear the Lord and to begin to know wisdom. The fool boasts in going his own way, but the wise person boasts in Jesus even though they be foolish. See, you can be a fool, but know Jesus Christ, and you are on your way to wisdom. The wisest place that we can be is kneeling before the cross of Jesus Christ. And Christ is calling to you, Lady Wisdom is calling to you, but even more so, Christ is calling to you saying, I am the wisdom of God. Know me, listen to me, receive me, take me, guard me in your heart. Let me be wisdom for you. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. (laughs) And you may not know much. But if you know Jesus Christ, you are already on the path to wisdom. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, the wisdom of God. In you are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and we worship you this morning. We pray, though, that you would help us to be wise people, to live out your wisdom, to live out wisdom in this world with our words, that we might be those who know you, and represent you with what we say. As you send us out with your love, as you send us out with your forgiveness, might we speak words of love and forgiveness in our city? Might we love our enemies? Might we care for our neighbors? Might we speak gently to those who speak harshly to us? Oh Jesus, make us wise. In your name we pray, Amen. amen. Let's stand now and sing in response.